Lonely the Lonely. After a long, barren spell and thinking pulsating performances were a thing of the past, every fans experience the joy of six. A perfectly timed climax in Falkirk as the Diamonds fans in raptures and Airdrie find themselves swaggering around League One acting Billy big time before Adalians in darkest fife leaves us feeling cheated and mistreated. The winning streak at an end, the feeling remains. Airdrie's rediscovered their mojo. No TL podcast are here with our monthly catch-up to celebrate good times. Come on! OTL Podcast, welcome everyone. We've got someone on debut tonight. On the very second, I think, edition, Danny Lambie put a call out trying to get a better gender mix on the show and eventually I managed to get Emma Quigley to come on. Emma, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Thanks for having me on. I know we've tried a few times and haven't been able to make it work, so yeah, it's uh, good, to, do- good to go You've dodged tonight. us plenty of times, but it's great to have you on. <laughs> uh, and we've got Gordon Thompson as well. Gordon, how are you? Hey, thanks. Really <laughs> Usually a start, and I've not done this with you either, Gordon, so I like to get people's backstory as to how they ended up being an Airdrie fan. Uh, Emma, you live down, what, Helensborough, is it? Not quite as far, I've just in Dumbarton, just outside Dumbarton. So, what led you to be a diamond? My dad, essentially, same as a lot of people, so um, my dad's from Airdrie, um, and that's where his parents are from. Um, um, my grand lived there all our days so he was um he's been going since he was a wee a wee boy since he was about five he was one of the kids that used to jump the turnstiles at old Broomfield, and he supported them all his days so and growing up my dad was always you know going to the games so he eventually i think i nagged him to take myself along and the first season was the kind of 1991 season we were promoted to the premier league went to a couple of games Fell away from it a wee bit as, as you do other kind of other things, and then kind of came back to it a few seasons later. And the three of us, me, my dad, and my my brother, have been going kind of ever since. Good. That's funnily enough, that was my first season as well. So I sitting in the main stand at Broomfield watching them win promotion and cup final shortly afterwards, and thinking it was always going to be like that. It was. Um, we were spoiled. It was easy to to get going and board with the diamonds in those days. Gordon, what about you? We've never actually asked because I think the first time you came on, it was all when uh, it was more diamonds for change and stuff. Was your way into it? So, when did you start supporting Airdrie? It was a lot angrier back in my first game. Believe it or not, was in nineteen seventy six, February February seventy six, and it was um, I think we won three 0 against St Johnston. I can't really remember much of it because I, I was obviously very young and everything was in black and white in the days. So, I just I just remember my dad getting a an autograph book at Woolies and I think we get like one autograph and I think it was it might be Jim Black, I can't even remember now, it's long gone, uh, long lost. And um it was it I think we stood at the pavilion end and you know the usual just running up and down the steps. I think my dad had a half bottle in his pocket that day like you could just do the game so I was sent away to play down at the fence and um behind the pavilion end we won three now so that was that was quite an easy hook, but it was never like a an every week regular thing. I think it was only as and when my dad could either be afford it or or, or be bothered, you know, to actually take us along. So they must have seen a few dozen games, you know, in the early years and became a real regular about eighty four ish or something like that. But it had been a, quite a few games like Bobby Watson's era and, you know, Molly Maguire was one of your heroes because he used to bring the he used to bring Davison's cash and carry stuff into school. So every 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 day at school, you know, Molly Maguire would be at the talk shop so it was kinda it was kinda easy to 
probably there 29, you know, on 1980, 81, probably was only about 10, 11 year old, and, you know, Sandy Clark, Johnny Martin, Paul McGuire, Johnny Flood, and that, they were all on telly, you know, just about every week on sports scene, you know, I remember, I remember watching the Johnny Martin's 0-0 game when Bobby Watson got interviewed after it, and, you know, was, was going on about Johnny actually asking for a pair of gloves at the time, you know, so it's, it feels like a totally different era now looking back, but um, actually make me feel really old just talking about it just now. Oh, it's, it's crazy to think that, that was at Ibrox, wasn't it, that Johnny Martin played a blinder but didn't Ibrox, have gloves yeah. on? And, and yeah, yeah. And could well have been, well, I, I know that he was still working down the mines at that point, so you think all the sports yeah. science that goes into things nowadays, he was, he was travelling through Airdrie in two buses from uh, Trenent to, to train and, and play, I mean, it's mental. When men were men. Right, but we're, we're saying, we're being nostalgic, but actually, the form at the moment is tremendous. The last podcast was a very long money rant from me, don't need to do any of that, the football's been terrific, uh, six wins on the spin. Disappointment up at Kirkcaldy, but back to winning ways last week. I should timestamp this. It's Friday night, just before the Clyde game, where joint top only separated, well, only below Wraith Rovers and, and goal difference. So happy days. Uh, I mean, let's just let's just revel in it. What's been what's been the highlights for you? What have you enjoyed in, in this good form? I think um, I think for me it's just been getting a little bit of the kind of spirit back around the club, a little bit of atmosphere. You know, as well as the results, it feels like you know people are coming together again, and you know there's been some say, some nice atmospheres and some really good moments. You know, I think we'll probably touch on, you know, down at the game at Falkirk and obviously the one East Fife, which typically were games that I managed to to miss. But you know, just even just the trip down to Stranraer and coming away that night, knowing you were top of the league and seeing the kind of bond start to come between the kind of fans and the players, which I think we're going to be missing at the start, um, and basically as well just been able to look up and not down at this point in the season has been a welcome change. You know, you're not counting the points off the bottom, you're counting the goals off the top, you know. So, yeah, just, it's just been a really, really nice time to, to be a Nerdry fan. Yeah, Gordon, you you told us what to do last podcast. You said start Curtis Roberts, start Dale Carrick, and statistics say that they'll win games. So, there you go, you get to gloat. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's been as simple as key changes to the, the team that's kicked off the forum. Oh, they've clearly listened to me, haven't they? <laughs> About time, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I mean, as we were, we were just been too reserved, too negative, and um, I still think Ian Murray was probably still trying to find his way and suss a lot of players out. And you do kind of build understandings and stuff over a period of time. But I've noticed that I've noticed it since really since the Montrose game. Remember, it was Crichton's 100th game. We get beat that day. It was actually quite depressing. You know, the Montrose pressed us all over the pitch, and it was really, really obvious what was wrong with. And um, that kind of game in itself, although it was horrible, it was kind of needed. And um, it, it kind of woke us up, it kind of strengthened the resolve. Because we had been saying all season that we've not actually got that bad a team. We have got good players, but they weren't playing like a team and they, weren't, they, they didn't seem organised. And um, I think that kind of maybe strengthened everyone's resolve. And we really just needed to settle down, calm down, and just get things right, get it sorted. And, you know, thank, thankfully they've. You know they've they've kind of clicked on the formula themselves. It's worked. It did take the half time in that game at Forfar. We were really we were really honking that first half at Forfar. But an unfortunate injury. One player and another player came in and just suddenly suddenly things started to click. It even started with a kind of a kind of lucky goal. If you want, remember Dale's goal that opened the scoring for us up at Forfar. I think it was an equaliser, if I can remember right. And it was actually a kind of lucky goal. But that that just sort of sparked us, and we just sort of we just sort of you know 
took sort of inspiration for it. I knew the goal would have came anyway to, to do it, but that, that just sort of sparked us and then running up a score that day really just sort of fueled us with a bit of confidence. And, you know, I don't think I've ever felt as nervous as the night before the next game because it really was a kind of, I told you so, moment. if we get beat, everyone else would have been, everyone else would have been back on the kind of like the bandwagon. But when we won, people were starting to think, wait a minute, maybe this is. You know, maybe this is it, and of course, it felt like that for the next two or three weeks to the point now where you're actually starting to feel confident before games. We can see it; we've been there before when we've had a team that sort of turned a corner. Um, you know, it happened to be Sandy Stewart's team in 2004. You know, we were really rotten up to the end of January. I think we played our both at home, get beat one now, and then he totally changed the shape the next game. And I think that was another one where it was, if I can remember rightly, we were up at East Fife and we weren't doing too well. And he changed the shape at half-time, and that's when we went with Coyle and Gow up front, with Ryan, Mar- uh, with Ryan McLaren on the wings, and suddenly that team clicked as well and went unbeaten to the end of the season. And it kind of feels like we've got that vibe back again, where there's, there's just simply a really, really good team spirit. I've noticed since, since that game with Sean in the, the 100th game, like Sean actually seems to have stepped up a level or two, which I made a point last season that when everyone else was sacking it, he was the one guy that kept going and had the great attitude. But since that game... He seems to have actually kind of like done something. I don't know what it is. I can't put my finger on it. But suddenly he's got all the players together. The players started interacting with the fans. Now they're coming up after every game. You know, clap the fans. Even at a, even at race when we get beat, we get beat when we were trying. Or you know, we were trying really hard. We weren't. You know, you couldn't fault any players that day. And um, they were all over at fans. Still at the end of the game, the fans were still responding to them. And something's happened. We've suddenly got that different mentality about the, the whole club. The players are bought into it. Obviously, the management. I've, I've said since the start of the season, the directors are, are ambitious. Everybody seems to be focused now. Everybody seems to be pulling together. Everyone seems to be on the same page. And it, it, it just feels like one of the moments where things are starting to turn. Uh, the, yeah, there's been a massive change. I mean, I was I was miserable after the, the Elgin game. And I thought that performance was pretty insipid and then I missed East Fife home game but even just from the highlights you can see like a level of intensity there every second ball seems to be Airdrie's Liam Watt that's caused us loads of problems before until I saw the still photos I wouldn't even have been able to tell you from the highlights that he'd played we just seem to have progressed so far in such a, a short space of time uh, and and we've said before he felt like it just hadn't clicked and it, it definitely has now the the formation set, the selection set, the, the midfield's functioning really well, uh, which we've not seen for, for a long time. And I mean, there's loads of things to be happy about, but even players that... You've mentioned Crichton. I think Miller uh, and Dale Carrick were both there last year, uh, but just seem like new signings. I mean, Carrick scored so many goals when last year he couldn't buy a goal. Uh, and, and Miller, who we all... Well, in this podcast, he used to get a bit of a hard time. Uh, he's... he's He's turning into a rock. He's now an important player. Yes, I think I think Miller's actually one of the classic. But Carrick as well are both kind of classic examples. I did query this season, you know, like should we have kept him or not? And um, you know, one of my one of my things is that we weren't getting enough things out of them. But they were kept on probably as much to do with their brilliant attitudes. Um, they, everything I hear is that they're great players. You know, behind the scenes, they're great in the dressing room. They're great with the, the and um, we're starting to see that now. And I think Miller in particular. Is actually is actually bouncing off. I mean, he's, he's he is actually bouncing. He's in. He's the best. We've certainly seen him. Um, he's. Um, I think he's. I think he's bouncing off some of his teammates. We've seen. I know Mackay gets a bit of stick from some people at times, right? But I'm. I'm actually 
one of the ones that's like Mackay, it doesn't, sometimes doesn't look pleasing in the eye, but he's extremely effective for a midfielder. He gets the ball in the opposition box a hell of a lot. He's getting forward and scoring goals as well. He's he's getting on the end of things in the box, and it's it, I, I think Mackay's um, so like Miller's actually looking at that and thinking I can do that too. And I noticed in these Fife game, in the lead up to one of your goals, Miller had an absolute rocket air shot. From about twenty-five yards. Um, can't remember. He also that. had the, the shot off the bat. That we yeah, no, that, that's the other one. So yeah, that was two instances where I've seen him getting forward and and, and he's almost scored. Previously, I don't think he had one shot on target, and I think he had only one shot on target all last season. And suddenly he's, he, he looks as though he's threatening every game now. And I think even guys like him are bouncing off with their teammates. We've, we've suddenly up to the quality of it, and I think that's one of the things with Carrick as well. That um, Carrick scored two goals last season, but we're making chances galore this year. Emma, you said you've missed a few games. Did you make it to Clifton Hill? No, that was another one that I missed. All <laughs> I can afford the main talking points are the ones that I, I've missed. So um, I don't know if I'm at a lucky charm or a. Well, stay away, <laughs> I don't <aye>. go. <laughs> where have you Where have you been in the the run to? You were down at Stranraer. I was down at Stranraer. Um, I was at the game last weekend. I was at Wraith Rovers as well. I was a. Uh, Took the trip to start. Probably more away games lately, actually, which is always the way. So I've been, I've been at those lately. Um, I think we're just we're just talking about the the game down at Starts Park. I think you know, I I think if when we were on this run, if you'd said to me before we played these five Falkirk and Wraith Rovers, that would have got you know six points out of nine, I would have bitten your hand off for it. So I don't even think you know we can have seen seen the effort and the circumstances of that game. You know that there's anything to get too down about. You know, and I think that was probably why. The players and they got the reception off the fans at the end, you know, because we could see that, you know, they they fought really hard in that game, and it just it just was one of those ones. So, um, yeah, as and I think um, there's there's more. Feels like there's more to come, definitely more to come. And dare I say, it, I'm feeling kind of really optimistic at the moment. No, I, I think if you look at the first quarter against the second quarter, first quarter we just didn't compete with the teams that were uh, up the top and. And I think it was the performances as much as the results, uh, which is completely turned around. I mean, the, the Falkirk was Falkirk gave me a lot of belief because uh, to go there and I mean you can't be a last minute winner. It was dramatic, but I think it was deserved. A one 0 Falkirk were probably the better team. And you felt the goal was coming, but as soon as they scored, Adrian went up the pitch. Curtis Roberts, who's been another absolute great find and I think it's made a, a huge difference to that midfield uh, had a great chance which he missed uh, and then also the goal as well so so from them equalising rather than us just disappearing uh, they, they redoubled their efforts and they went for it and, and, and they did it uh, and, and kept the good run going Kirkcaldy as you say okay I mean it was a, a crazy game the, all the red cards the penalty shout at the end which annoyingly the, the highlights don't really show we were all on the stand he just about caught it and you don't get it <laughs> it was a, definitely it was a save ah, it was a good save as well um, <laughs> so, so you're sitting watching that and thinking if we I mean we're joint top of the league with Wraith Rovers but they've taken six points off as that could look so much better if we'd even just won that game um, however the, the penalty last week looked pretty soft I mean you can see what happens in the highlights and it's right in front of the ref but they don't always get given and a penalty in the uh, week before we went up to Kirkcaldy which I'm now forgetting who it was against East Fife uh, where uh, Smith just runs across the corner of the box were quite soft so maybe maybe these things do even out but I think they do even out over the course of the season definitely but as you see like the, the, the fans were the fans who when we lost away to East Fife in the first quarter were 
calling for Murray's head and at his throat and, and whatever else. We could all see the effort and the fact that we'd been robbed a bit. And even in defeat, there were the signs there that we're as good as Wraith Rovers. We're showing ourselves as, as, as good as Falkirk when we beat them there. They're coming to us with Gomez out. Um, it'll be a, a great game on the, on the 28th. But you're feeling like you're going, you'll compete rather than like, we're inferior in some ways, which is what would have sworn was the case a good bit in it this season. Absolutely, yeah. Um, there's definitely, I said, a confidence, and it's it's a nice, it's a quite a nice feeling for a change. Other points to revel in the Hearts Cup draw. Yeah, I mean it's great. Obviously, it's a good, good, good to get a, a trip away. It's actually a ground I've never been to. I've always managed to again miss miss the ties. So I wanted to check off the list. Um, I'm saying that the pitch looked absolutely rotten when I was watching the the game the other night. So maybe that will. Maybe that'll go in our favour, but um, yeah, I'm looking forward to just a good away day. It's nice to get, nice to get them. See if they're still in their back pocket from last time we played them. <laughs> well, you're on Twitter in the same way as I am, so we started out the uh, podcast with uh, the nostalgic times, and you kind of think, well, we only know about that because we were there, and that's what you you hold on to as an Airdrie fan. But uh, I was really uh, amused by when they drew us. The, the not you wouldn't say fear, but there's a kind of Oh, not them again. And albeit it was 20 years ago, they, they remember. So. I work with a good few Hearts fans and they're looking forward to it. They they're genuinely think that they're going to get turned over. Uh, I, I, well, and, and, well, new manager in, and I, I didn't see the game last night, but I hear that actually the performance at the, or, or earlier in the week, the performance at the start of the game was actually looked pretty decent. And you think. Bigot Piezu and Naismith, if they get themselves fit, could maybe cause us all sorts of problems. But it's not—it's not unforeseeable that we could go there and, uh, and they're just off a winter break. And if we could be clinical and take a couple of chances, you might get a, yeah get a couple of chances and take them. But the main thing is is just that you make a good account of yourself, and that's that's really all all we can ask for. I've not been to Ten Castle since 1991 when we got robbed of a cup final and I, I was thinking there can't be one seat that's there now that we, or any kind of part of Ten Castle that's that's the same as it was in that fateful night. Um, but Gordon, what's your memories of, of Airdrie playing against, against Hearts? All good. <laughs> There's been very, very few times that we've been beat. So obviously, obviously I was in the early 20s when we got back into the Premier League um, during the 90s and I can't actually ever remember Hearts beating us. I know they have done once or twice, but not very often. And certainly in cup games, we've we've been tremendous up there. So obviously we beat them at Hamden in the two semi-finals. But even I think it was two thousand and eight or two thousand and nine, the, the day that the Giacomo kind of hit his thirty yard all that we thought bounced over the line, and we still beat them in penalties that night. We just we've always had something over Hearts in cup games. Um, the 1991 game as well at Broomfield when Paul Jack I think scored and Owen Coyle so we've always had something over them and it it must be in their heads that we keep beating them every time we play them so I'm I'm kind of really looking forward to it and let's be honest Hearts are nowhere near as good as Celtic were last year not not even close and and we would hope that we're a better team than we were last season I think that's obvious at the moment so we're a League 1 team we're a Premier League team but why not why not us do you think there's, there's anything in the, you know, I remember we played Celtic last season, we did put in a really good account ourselves, but I actually felt like we derailed ourselves a bit after that and the performances weren't they, they quite great. Um, I'm hoping that doesn't happen happen this time around. 
well, we had players that didn't deserve to wear the diamond there last year, so they, they gave up. A lot of the players actually sacked it and gave up, and there might have been something with the way the the, the you know the the lone players came in last year were getting preference, even though we were playing quite well before the Celtic game, they kind of walked into the team. So we've maybe learned lessons on that front as well. But this is a totally different team and a totally different attitude. So fingers crossed that doesn't happen. And again, if we go to Hearts and win, no one wants to play bad because. They all want to remain in the team. No one will want to give up their place in the team. Um, and it's always good to be on a cup run. That that we learned in the nineties. Um, the league form always improved after a good cup run. So fingers crossed. Yeah, no, I'm excited about it, and it's, it's probably, I think it must be the nearest stadium to where I'm sitting at the moment. Uh, but but one where I've not been for a long time, and it's quite interesting because all seater stadiums get a terrible rap, but everybody does still speak highly of Tyne Castle as being atmospheric. So. The fact that they've dropped it to £12 seemed like quite a strange move to me because I thought we would maybe just have wanted the cash out of it. However, hopefully it means that it, that, that it's busy as well uh, and it's regardless of the result, it's a, it's a big match. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see a replay, just they've not they've never really been to ours other than one friendly and I think it would be quite busy as well and, and we don't get that many big games at our own place. Any kind of result. Yeah, but at the same time... If we, if we were going to get beat and we scored a last minute goal and get a replay fair enough but we still want to go there and win because you never know what's going to happen after that as well and one less game on the legs we're still challenging for a title as well so um, you know, win first replay yeah whatever but as long as we don't get beat that's the main thing so um, I want to keep this going it's, it's 11 years now something like that since Harps beat us and you know other Harps fans that I know we can still use that part of use never beat us so it'd be good to kind of keep that going for another decade or a couple of years anyway until we get back to the Premier I think it's more like 23 it's ridiculous isn't it? there's hardly <laughs> I mean there's hardly any games and like we, that, that League Cup game we've spoken about is probably the only one in the last decade uh, but uh, it's again, as you say it's quite a frightening run being in the Premier League for the two years and not losing to them and beating them in the two Cup semi-finals it's been it, that's been brilliant <laughs> that has been brilliant it has, it's so it's so much fun you know like knowing that we've actually got a hex over a team like that it's so good especially with us being you know considerably the smaller team so you know I'd, I'd love that to continue just a few it's one of the few kind of straws that we can clutch at times so you know why not Anything we missed then? Yeah, but the highlights for me certainly we've won seven or eight league games, I think it is. Um, and, and in that time, we've scored, you know, a lot of goals and not conceded very many. I think we've only, I think we've only conceded five goals in that time since the fourth game. So um, that that for me is a highlight. We're doing everything right all over the pitch. We're, we're running the ball everywhere in the pitch. We're getting the ball in the box. We're finishing chances. It's just the whole game. That that added to the atmosphere. The feel good factor is definitely number one for me. People are turning up at the games, actually wanting to go to games now, and they're liking it when they're there. They're not moaning. It's just totally different. This is this is a new club again, thankfully. Can I just another one for me was as well was actually how important it was to come back last weekend against Peterhead and win. You know, and yep. to have that, just I think uh, the match report showed the bounce back ability. You know. It, Maybe it wasn't the prettiest game, but the most important thing was that we just we came back and won that one, and that really just puts the kind of race game to bed in that sense, and we can yeah. you know kick on again. And one of the things that I'm quite liking is 
fans of other teams still aren't rating us, which uh, Jim McAnally was moaning about the pitch last week, which, again, I was happy. I'm sick of people coming to the to find a cakewalk and going away with, with points. I'm, I'm glad that there was something they didn't like about the place. Um, but but the Stranraer fans thought we robbed them. Uh, the Falkirk fans didn't think we were great. I, I mean, I think... I take something from that. I think it means that maybe we're doing something tactically which they're, they're, they're just not able to see, which probably stands us in good stead as well. No, there's nothing I enjoy more than, than fans that hate getting beat by us. I just I just enjoy it. They kind of take it good. <laughs> no one likes us. We don't care. Right, well, I'll put you on the spot then so that put this to each of you. But uh, all that said, and there's been more good news today with Hutton signing an extended deal and, and, and Sean Crichton as well. How confident are you that it's sustainable and that we're still we're going to have a next quarter, which has been maybe not as good because this one's been terrific, but but we're still going to be up there when we say we're we're three quarters of the way through the league. Do you think it's flashing the pan, or do you think it's more sustainable than that, Gordon? I'll ask you first. Yes, I do. We do need to strengthen. But, um, I, I don't think the squad's quite strong enough to sustain a challenge all the way through. I do worry if we get an injury, especially in midfield, that it'll be a that'll be a downgrade. So I do think we need to. I do think we need to strengthen. I would like to see, a, a, you know, a boxy box man. I'd love to see someone like Josh Campbell that came last season uh, in the midfield. You know, a big, strong, ball-winning, not scared to get forward and have a goal-type uh, midfielder. Uh, someone that can defend corners and attack as well. And I think we still need something extra up front, whether it be a winger, come striker type, or whether it be a centre forward type. Uh, I still think that we need something, um, probably a midfielder and a striker, and maybe one or two players to go, I don't know. But um, I think that's a big, and I would love to see Leon McCann retain because he has been sensational since we came. You spoke about the Falkirk game about going to the end. Leon McCann made a long burst and run of three towards the end of that game that really carried us forward. I'd love to see him kept on as well. Um, hopefully, I'm not stupid enough to release him. Um, but I definitely think we can do it. We don't need to win every single game, Colin. You know, we can afford to lose a couple of games each each of the last two quarters um, and still win the title if we, you know, if we win enough games. So uh, as long as we win six or seven every quarter, we should be fine. Emma, what about yeah. you? Is it sustainable? Can't disagree too much with that. Um, I think what I keep in the back of my mind is that the goal for this season was playoffs. You know, that's what we set out to do at the start. And I think as long as I keep that in my head as the kind of realistic goal in... I was speaking to somebody yesterday and they are asking us how, how we were doing getting on and I said I, I'm quite confident that that's where we'll you know we will we'll achieve that by the end of the season you know obviously you know the kind of the dream is to is to keep it going and obviously to, to kind of win that win the title but I wouldn't you know I'm, I'm pretty happy with you know the team and if we can keep this settled team you know as you said with Hutton and Crichton coming on board today um, I would love for Leon McCann to, to stay on um, I think he's been absolutely fantastic and he's just just how good he is in the air as well, you know, which I didn't quite, you know, he's not the tallest of players, but so good in the air as well. But I'd probably disagree with Gordon, so maybe just somebody in that midfield and a little bit more firepower, and I just, I think, I don't see why not. I, mean, I think we need to give some kudos to those at the club for when McCann and Riley came in, we, like I say, it's not, if we want to win the league, we shouldn't be bleeding other team's youngsters, uh, but McCann's made himself undroppable. Uh, and and Curtis Roberts as well. I think we need to say a word on him. I mean, th- there was fans kind of saying, "Oh, so what? We've signed a boy from Queens Park." Uh, in terms of the midfield now being a good blend and having the energy, and uh, you see, Gordon, the, the key injury that I worry about is if he gets injured or suspended. Um, he, he's he's performing such a great role, and I don't see anybody that could step in and do the same. Uh, I think he's he's been excellent. 
Yeah, I'm not disagreeing with that at all, mate. Um, as I said, I don't think there's anything quite that level to, to replace any of the three midfielders, to be brutally honest. I don't see anything at the club at the moment that can do that. So, yeah, I think I think that's that's a key area that definitely needs strengthening. With all those players, I mean, there's un- undoubtedly, you know, that's undoubted that we've all lose players at some points during the season and we need, to, we need to people that are going to be good enough at that level to kind of keep this run going. Why look back? You know, this is this is the time to strengthen when things are good. I just hope we don't, if we do get players in, we don't do it like we did last season where it kind of, you know, it completely rocked the boat last year. The three the three youngsters that came in were better than the players we had, but it completely rocked the boat and a lot of people sacked it and the team spirit seems so good. I would be scared of disrupting that Right, it's five sleeps till Christmas. So, uh, if Santa was going to bring Ian Murray something, what do you want it to be to help with this title push? Emma, I'll ask you first. Oh, so I'll try to think this one through. And I'm just, I think, a, a side of sheep with a billion pounds. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure, I think um, maybe just a little bit of good luck with injuries and, and keep the run going and you know, say maybe a bit of budget for a couple more players and perhaps one of those suspended stress balls for the dugout so that when he does have those moments he can he can give that a whack keep the red cast to a minimum that's right he's, he's suspended for tomorrow isn't he two, uh, two, I think two games one suspended yeah in, in fairness I think we all understand why he lost it at Starks Park so that should probably have been appealed as well just for the ref being so, uh, so bad on our red card uh, Gordon, anything else you think would help? Well, I, I've, I've been suffering from insomnia in the last week, so I think there's only one sleep to Christmas for me, so I'm getting quite excited. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would Dean Murray want for? Well, to be honest, I think we just answered that. <laughs> so just a, a wee bit of strengthening to his squad probably is is, is really all that he'll, he'll really be wanting. But he seems quite a level-headed guy, to be brutally honest. The couple of times I've spoken to him, um, He's, he's got the situation that he wants at the moment so I think it will really just be tweaking as much as anything and you know he's, 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 he seems to have got everything he wanted he's got his full-time players he's started re-signing guys for next year I just hope we're not rebuilding for another Tilted League 1 <laughs> signings that we've made and um yeah I think, he, I think he'll actually be quite contented at the moment especially when he gets three points tomorrow um Against against Clyde, I think he'd be quite contented actually, and, and up for it is when when you're in that position with it's your team that's out there and you're playing well and you've got that confidence, you don't really want to change things too much. To be brutally honest, it's you, you get into your routines and you know I, I think he'd be quite happy. Just one or two wee bits more in reserve, and you'd be good to go. I think someone that can hold the ball up front. Um, I've noticed when Callum Gallagher's not there, the ball doesn't stick so much later in games, so. I can see a big centre forward um, potentially come off the bench and that'll, that'll probably be, be a bit of long and short hit for him I would imagine Unfortunately we weren't able to have Alan Portis with us this month he was having much more fun on his work night out but I have asked him to help us with a new sliding door section. It's an idea I've lifted from another podcast where they look at a key event in a footballing club's history and ask what if things had worked out differently. Last month, if you listen back, you'll hear Alan talk about what if Ali McCoy had signed for Airdrie. This time, what if Steve Archibald had the money? It's taken on a much more surreal take than I had expected, but I think that's great. Alan's got a great eye for observational humour. 
and listening to this reminded me of a lot of points of the Archibald time. It is satirical and some of it's very close to the bone, so please take it in the spirit that it's meant. And if you like what you hear, Alan's also written a book. If you get a Kindle for Christmas or you've already got one, I highly recommend Glory Hunting, which is available for download. And he's also got a selection of short stories available. Search for Alan Porteous on the Amazon bookstore. On the 3rd of November 2000, Steve Archibald, preferred bidder in the takeover of Airdrionians FC, luckily wins £15,000 on the puggies at Nobles Amusements on South Bridge Street and he duly pays KPMG the necessary management fee to progress the sale of the club. The well-known liquidators are tight-lipped over the breakthrough and are reportedly annoyed at receiving the settlement entirely in 10 pence pieces. The deal is concluded when Archibald's lifetime friend Peter Day persuades his auntie Doris to do a benefit gig at Excelsior Stadium. Confusion reigns as 15,000 Green Day fans wrongly turn up to hear the Hollywood actress sing classics such as Kesara Sara, The Deadwood Stage, as well as a surprise medley of rare Section B classics including Chick Young Has a Head Like a Ping Pong Ball, Oh Oh Where's Your Cardi, and Adolf Hitler Bombed the Bankies. The money is raised and the club's future is secured. Amidst claims of conspiracy, disgraced accountants Blair Nimmo and Tony Fryer lose their jobs and form a reggae duo called the Tony Blair Lawbenders in brackets, where are the weapons of mass destruction. Failing to get any gigs, they conclude their band name is too long and politically charged and instead rename themselves the Wanky Hanky Boys. They secure a regular spot on a Fred Olsen cruise ship where they supplement their income by selling Imodium, sick bags, incontinence pants and other means of profiting through other people's misfortunes. Meanwhile, back in Airdrie, Mrs Archibald designs a new home strip for the team and a life-size statue of her husband out of old plastic carry-out cartons before perfecting the recipes for all the pastry products in the stadium kiosk. The team look uncomfortable in their strange waffly material shirts with scratchy collars. Archibald sees the statue erected in the stadium foyer and worries he's eating too many curries. And Airdrie fans engage in Sid James-style laughter as they queue at the half-time to ask for a bite of Archie's wife's pie. Allowed to fulfil their Scottish Cup fourth-round tie with Peterhead, Airdrie head north and trounce the blue tune 4-0 with David Fernandez scoring all the goals. The trip is marred when on a post-match visit to the local swimming pool, the S falls off Antonio Calderon Speedos and he is immediately arrested and bundled off to the nearby prison. The Diamonds go on to reach the semi-finals where they lose to Celtic by the odd goal in nine. Calderon is released from jail on good behaviour and is immediately offered a coaching job with Celtic's youth team. Archie professes to enjoy Airdrie life and within a matter of months moves into Millionaire's Row in Wynn Hall. He is frequently spotted in Ferguson's The Butchers buying potted hoch, chicken schnitzels and pounds of steak links, none of which he ever pays for. A steady stream of Spanish players flow through Excelsior's doors and Airdrie inevitably gain promotion playing a scintillating brand of football seldom seen on these shores. 4,000 Airdrie fans turn out to watch a pre-season friendly against Newcastle under-11s and an ageing Matthias Pacifico scores 12 headers in consecutive games without his feet ever leaving the ground, a record that stands to this day. Two Scottish Cups, a League Cup win and promotion to the Premier League sees Airdrie establish themselves as the third force in Scottish football, 
and the Airdrian Coatbridge advertiser perhaps summed the decade up with the headline Steve Archibald builds a football dynasty while Bill Barr builds a crematorium. Archibald finally vacates the dugout and hands over the reins to a young hopeful Spanish friend named Pep Guardiola. Pep immediately annoys Airdrie fans by not leaving a man up when defending corners and by looking better than they do in pullovers. After a nonsensical post-match interview in the wake of a shock home defeat to Elgin City, however, where he blamed poor form in his players, the deafening loudness of the stadium PA system and advice he was getting from his imaginary friend Alberto, Guardiola is swiftly replaced by an even younger Darren Young, an appointment Archie later admits he should have made in the first place. Archibald becomes an executive director of the club, allowing him to focus on other business interests. Never short of ideas, Steve starts a number of ventures, including a speculative organ donor company called Spanish Eyes, a joint Russian venture providing environmentally friendly energy in a company called Full of Gas. And he completes his best-selling autobiography titled I Promised Much But Gave Very Little to Critical Acclaim. Satisfied he has taken Scottish football suitably by storm, he returns to live in Barcelona, becoming a football pundit for Radio Barca. Despite the favourable climate, Archie never gets a suntan and indeed admits during a particularly boring El Clasico that he peels his entire skin three times a year. Much like a snake. Thanks for listening to the OTL podcast. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts or ask Smart Speaker to play OTL podcast. Massive thanks to our panellists, Gordon Thompson, Emma Quigley, and Alan Porteous and to Scott Crawford for the original music and John Stephen for allowing us to use his photography Merry Christmas to everyone that's listening and what better present than one of my awful songs requests for donations to your ladies have fallen on deaf ears recently but thank you to everyone who's given already we're going to try a more subliminal approach which is very subtle and which you might not even notice during the song at all recent numbers by Louis Capaldi George Ezra and Miley Cyrus have proved to be amongst our most popular and so we're going to keep it bang up to speed with a little bit of Nat King Cole. A. Because you are amazing I. Those diamonds are incredible Are you really, really Dilly dilly, yes you are, and I can see that he will win it easily. Support is all that we can give to you. Let's just hope we win a game or two. Edry's boys, they'll make it. Lift that trophy and then shake it with love. You Edry, we. Women's football is massively underfunded. There are no player wages, there's only running costs, but it's still a struggle. Adrian Ladies have got help from diamonds in the community, but literally every penny counts. So please log on to gofundme.com forward slash Adrian ladies fundraising and give them a Christmas present. A because you are amazing 
I, those diamonds are incredible. Are you really, really, dearie, dearly, dearly? Yes, you are, and I can see that you will win it easily. Support, it's all that we can give to you. Let's just hope we win a game or two. Airdrie's girls will make it Lift that trophy and then shake it We love you Airdrie, we do We love you Airdrie, we do Oh, the Airdrie, we love you Give generously. And if for any strange reason you enjoyed that, you can find all the back catalogue on YouTube. Search for OTL Song for Airdrie. And if you are an Airdrieonian and a musician and you could help us out with a musical number, please get in touch. Oh!